There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Lead with Empower podcast returns. We are on the home stretch of our third season and really excited for our next guest today because I think Mr. Doug Whittington, who is our guest, is a great example of the many ways, shapes, and forms of leadership. And I think Doug has an awesome story. He is a consultant, kind of entrepreneurial consultant. He's a 20-year husband. He's a dad of two wonderful daughters. He's got a very unique and exciting story and adventure background. And really, uh, Doug, excited to have you on, excited to hear your story, and excited to share with our listeners uh, another unique perspective on leadership. Thanks for joining us, Doug. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Many thanks to you and Joe for inviting me. I, uh, I'm, I'm such a fan of the leadership growth experiences that you and Joe and your teams create and engage us with. So it's, it's, it's an honor to be any part of that. Uh, likewise, it's an honor to have you. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard nothing but great things about you from Joe and, and uh, excited to get into our conversation here today. Um, be, before we do, uh, obviously, I think it's 14, 15 months now uh, since uh, you know, March of 2020 and a, a little bit of a change into how everybody operates. How are you, how wife, family, uh, from a health standpoint, how are you managing in uh, what's been a little bit of a chaotic uh, you know, year and change? <laughs> uh, it, it has been an exciting year. I think um, you know, the, the plans that I had in 19, uh, <laughs> we're not, uh, the fruit on the tree at the end of 2020. Um, and certainly, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's shaken up a lot of things. Uh, it's given me perspective, new perspectives on a lot of things. Uh, it's challenged me to grow in new ways. Yeah. So I, you know, we talk in our family a lot about, you know, talking about the part of the, instead of talking about whether the glass is half full or glass, glass is half full or half empty. It's talking about the parts that you can drink. Yeah. So we're, we were looking for the opportunities uh, that all these changes were presenting. And we feel like we've capitalized on that. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. And we're going to get into this a little bit more specifically right now, but you're nowhere near your hometown, uh, your home area of Pinellas County, Florida. Where, where are you? Uh, you're hanging out right now. Uh, as we speak, um, we are in Lake Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe, having just uh, left a beautiful uh, uh, piece of California coast where we were staying. So we, we were determined to, to get to the Pacific, and we did that. Nice. Um, and I think we'll actually touch it a couple more times before we make it, make it back to winter in Florida. But uh, yeah, Lake Tahoe today. There you go. Smart move. And while you're, yeah, you're, you're out there, you might as well uh, get to the coast a couple of times, uh, extend the trip during this, uh, as you described before we started recording a little bit of an extended uh, 
family trip vacation type setup. So and excited yes. to hear about that as we get going as well. You brought up Joe and our, our listeners, Joe, you know, Joe's come up in many of the podcast episodes, the founder of empower talk a little bit about how you guys connected and um, you know, that, that relationship. Cause Joe is the one that's obviously introduced the two of us and uh, got me con- lucky enough to get me connected with you to get you on the podcast here. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, so I was um, looking for ways to get involved in the community uh, for, for so long. I had just been focused on making money. And so when I made some big changes back in 2015, I started reaching out to people in the community that I really respected to say, what are some organizations that I can plug into? I'm not civically involved. I'm not philanthropically involved. I'm not I'm not networked in the community. I've just been working uh, and I, I'm changing up all my purposes and plans. So uh, one of the organizations that I was introduced to is called Leadership Pinellas. Yep. And I was fortunate enough to make it through the selection process and be included into the class of 2017. And at the first retreat, I met Joe Durang. <laughs> and uh, man, I was so impressed with him. And then as fate would have it, we were uh, assigned to be accountability partners yep. through some of the, the project work that we had. And that was such a gift because he has such different strengths than me uh, that uh, he's, you know, I used to joke that he was all gas and I was all brakes. So we, <laughs> we, we, uh, <laughs> we made, we made uh, great accountability partners and got to, you know, work through that leadership Pinellas program all through the year and up, through culminating in the trip up to Tallahassee. So our relationship was founded there and it has expanded from then. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's great. And I've heard a lot about a great, lot of great things about the leadership Pinellas program. Um, and I, Joe speaks very highly of it and I didn't know you two were accountability buddies. That's interesting. We might, yes. we might have to learn some tips to hold Joe in check when needed. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have any in the holster still. <laughs> I, there's, there's no way on earth I'm getting in between anything that Joe, Joe wants and Joe. So that's not what I do. (laughs) A great segue. So you do some consulting, right? So, and that's your one man operation. That's your, that's your current business. Give our listeners a little bit of insider background and what type of consulting work you do um, you know, not necessarily specifically who you work with, but maybe just in, you know, your, 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 your general description of, Hey, I can bring this to your team and help your team do X, Y, and Z better. Yes. Um, so as I shared, I was in sales and sales leadership, uh, for a lot of my career, uh, had the good fortune to get to lead some teams, build some teams, um, you know, obviously be a salesperson myself. And so I was, I was in that world for a very long time through a variety of different industries and was, it was kind of uncomfortable inside of it. I, I, uh, I constantly had a problem with how the sausage was made, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I still liked the trade and, and really what I liked about it was, was serving people mm-hmm. was, was helping people uh, through this connection with, you know, something they needed and their resources. But um, what I, the feedback that I kept getting was that I'd missed my, my calling as a teacher. And 
you know, I, I thought that was a compliment. My mom was a teacher and uh, it was not a compliment in sales. So um, <laughs> it was not. So uh, fast forward to 2015, you know, I had I had been going through these careers. I had, by that time I had a license to trade commodities, a license uh, to do life, health and variable annuities, a real estate license. Um, I, 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 there was a lot of ways it was legal to pay me to do something, but, um, I hadn't, I hadn't really found the, the work that I loved except helping people. I really liked helping people. Um, I was rarely ever the top salesman anywhere I worked, but I generally had the highest customer satisfaction scores. Yeah. And, and really, I just said this because I loved people. And, uh, so, you know, that was, that was really my entree into sales. But by 2015, I was, I was making more money than I'd ever made, but I was more miserable than I'd ever been. And it was really confusing because I thought that when I had money, I'd have everything. And um, so, you know, with the support of my family and the prodding of my family, I stepped <laughs> back, I stepped back from, from that work and we just changed some of the, the family priorities to uh, accommodate, you know, giving up the, that large income. Yeah. And it was really, it was really a good thing for us. And we grew through that together. And I think, you know, encouraging that kind of communication was really good. But I say all that to say that was the way that I ended up with, you know, getting into consulting was I was out of that world. I knew at that time, I didn't want to go back into it in the same way that I had been conventionally, and uh, was invited by a very bright uh, individual uh, who is much more pedigree than me to do some consulting. He believed that, you know, what I was talking about with him, you know, was, would be really invaluable, would be really valuable on his engagements. And so yeah. I was, I was, I was fortunate to get to do some, some work with him and his clients. And I got really fed by that. Uh, so, you know, working with people, sales teams, um, you know, I had a couple goals while I was working in with them. Number one was to kind of reduce the unnecessary suffering that occurs inside of workplaces so that we can uh, kind of work within what I consider to be our natural collaborative strengths of connection and communication. And, uh, and also just working on sales tech, mindset, attitude, and, and things like that. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. But um, what, what I realized was that it was really difficult to work on a sales culture inside of a, an organization where people didn't want to work and that really culture had to come first. And so we had to, we had to make it so that people could breathe the air before we could work on, on skill building. I mean, yep. it's Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep, and right. so I, I built my practice on uh, first kind of improving those connections and that communication inside of, inside of a, uh, an organization, inside of a leadership team, so that then those natural tendencies of people could could grow and we'd get better we'd see better corporate or, or we'd see better cultural engagement so that's that's really what i love to do is just help people um and the way that i get to do that is is working inside of teams and cultures great great um looking back on pre 2015 and and we had our our little pre-podcast meeting and and it, it it's come up here that while there was more money coming in than you know ever before there was still this 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 thing that was missing the mark in, in looking back on that experience what was it like what what was the thing that was maybe keeping you in that spot where like, yeah, I'm making money, but I'm definitely not the best version of me right now. 
Oh, that I man, I love that question. So the companies ask me to leave certain aspects to myself at home. <laughs> um, they, uh, they, I, I worked inside of a lot of systems that loved money and used people. Mm-hmm. And I love people and want to use money. And so, uh, you know, take, for example, uh, in a lending environment where I'm, I'm overseeing a, a territory of lending. And my instinct is to teach my clients how to borrow effectively. So I bring them into my office and I show them two, two approvals for loans. And I teach them how to distinguish them one from another. And I show them how much money our office makes with either option mm-hmm. and how in one option they pay me thousands of dollars more. They get no product or service for this and never have to disclose it. And so I'm, I'm trying to give them the game, kind of tearing down the fourth wall. I knew that I could turn a profit and I did um, in that office, that lending office, by doing things by not only teaching people how to do the work, but uh, doing what was really in their best interest. Yeah. And that, and that was not really well received. So when I wasn't able to treat people the way that I wanted to treat them, I had to treat them in this other way. I felt like um, really inauthentic. And I felt like the, even the money that I was making um, wasn't the, it wasn't the way that I wanted to make it. It was almost ill gotten gains. You know, because I didn't, because my, because it was a conflict of my values, uh, the way that money was made. Now, no one was doing anything illegal that, and, and, and that was kind of the common response. Um, it's, it's, but it's just business never really set right with me. And so, you know, commercial mortgage backed securities. I mean, there's, there's no loving people in that. And when you, um, go ahead. when you, when you said that people weren't happy with, so your, your clients were probably happy that they were getting a tutorial on, Hey, I should go this yeah, route had, because, but so you're talking like your supervisors and your, your management team are the ones that saying, Hey, let's worry about, let's not worry about the, the, the relationship or the people. Let's just, you know, get them, get, get, get what we can get out of the situation. Is that a fair yeah, I think they, I was kind of thick in the head. So they had to really hit me across the face <laughs> with the two by four to get me to understand. And this is how they put it to me. They said, all right, Doug, it's you and Dan, and you're both applying for a job with me. And Doug, you come in with your completely customer satisfied score of 96, but a number so implausibly high, we think it's statistically equivalent to 100. Yeah. But your, your profitability is X. Dan comes in. He's at a corporate average of 83 completely satisfied. Uh, but his income is 20% higher. Who are we yep. going to hire? Of course. Dan gets a job every time. Yeah. So, and I just said, well, then I, I, don't, I, I don't even know how I can work here. Because, you know, I believe that you can share a sheep many times, but skin it only once. And if you're up to skinning sheep, that's not, then you're not really living your corporate values. Yeah. So I have this plastic card in my wallet that you gave me when you hired <laughs> me that talks about all these values that you have about your brand being the most valuable thing you own. And 
I, I definitely agree with all of that. What I don't agree with is all of this. Yeah. And they're like, well, you could just, you can just, you get more juice. Just, you know, if you just squeeze it harder. But I, I just said, that's, that's not what's in the best interest of the, of the client. And I can make money doing it my way. Um, but yeah. that was not really well received. You know, oh, it's, great. it's difficult. Yep. Nope, makes sense. And and just in our our short period of time right now, the the people person thing is coming through. <laughs> so I could see that how that would have been an internal battle, internal conflict of interest. Like, hey, do right by the company, do right by the people, getting pulled in both directions, and leading to some challenging times. Now, prior to starting the episode, you mentioned that uh, again, it wasn't necessarily the best version of you over the course in that in that world. What were some of the, th- and I know your family played a, played a role in, you know, basically saying, Hey, let's, let's end that part of it and, and, and make a decision. And they've had some discussions with you about that. And we'll get into that in a moment, but internally you knew you weren't maybe all that happy in that environment. What, what were some of the kind of telltale signs that you, you, you know, you wake up every day and before work and was there something that would pop up into your head or, or was it like driving to work every day in this negative, like, God, I don't want to do this again. Like when, when did it really become truly apparent to you that maybe this wasn't your calling? <laughs> um, you know, as I shared, I've, I've been uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable for a long time at work yeah. and a lot of, oftentimes my solution would be to look elsewhere, mm-hmm. change teams. Um, by the, by 2015, I don't think I knew anymore. I think really what, what it, how it showed up for me was that there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like I was defective. Why couldn't I get with the program? Why did I have such a problem with it? You know, I'd been told, Doug, if, if it was as good as you want it to be, then we wouldn't need you to sell it. And I'm like, you mean if it does what you say it does? I mean, because that's, that's what I'm saying I want it to be. Anyway, so I, I felt like a strength. I just... I felt like a misfit. Like there was yeah. something wrong with me. Like it really, so then it, I had, it damaged my confidence, my self-esteem, but really how, how that showed up for other people, at least through with the feedback that I got from them was I yelled a lot. I was ill, I was ill tempered. Uh, I was not funny anymore. And, and that wasn't the version of me that they were accustomed to. They were, they were more accustomed to a version of me that was very calm. That was slow to anger and typically was trying to go for the joke. Yeah. So, um, I was, I was miserable cause I was self in self-loathing and like private self-loathing and everyone else was getting this really angsty version of me. And, uh, and I, I thought the money was going to make it okay for everybody. And it just yep. didn't. Yeah. Now you mentioned again, pri- you know, in our, in our pre pre-recording, we'll call it a mini meeting. It wasn't a full meeting. <laughs> it was a mini meeting. Um, that you, you know, your, your wife, your two daughters kind of individually in their own unique way kind of started to express this, right? Was mm-hmm. it the first time you receive one of those conversations? Was it like a uppercut that you didn't expect? And like, what do you mean I'm angry all the time? Or what do you mean I'm not as funny? Like, how, how did, like, did you have to, did, did you have to like fight through some like shield you were putting up and like, just say, no, no I'm doing the right thing. Talk a little bit. Cause that's interesting. That's a tough, yeah. tough thing denial, to say. You're not the guy you were a little while ago. <laughs> yeah. Denial showed up first. Like you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm hilarious. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm hilarious. Uh, but, uh, but then it was, 
then it was my children who came next. Um, they were five and nine at the time. And they say it in the sweetest five-year-old way, you know, like, um, I hope you have a good day at work, daddy. And I was like, yeah, all right. Because most days when you come home, you're just yelling. I was like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> uh, it, you know, from the mouths of babes. You know, it's just yeah. this, it's just really unvarnished truth that just cut through all of the rationalizations and egoic forms that I decorated myself with to make me feel like I was okay. Um, and then my nine-year-old, uh, very similar to start of a day, um, said something very, very similar to me. And I was just mm -hmm. like, this is, you know, this is a problem. Yeah. You know, like that's, if, if that's, if, my home life was the only part of my life that made any sense. Like loving people was all that made any sense. Commerce was where things, the, the rationalizations got, got wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't against capitalism. I was just, I was just really in support of a more conscious version of it. You know, great, great insight. And obviously to hear, especially young ones, because young ones, you, you can't bullshit like young kids and dogs, right? They sift through it. <laughs> you know, if you're a good person, like the dog and the young one will be drawn to you. And if they feel like you're not, they'll run, you know, stay away or get angry with you. And, and so like hearing that must've been a bit of a shock to the system. And I, that probably the, the center of like letting the guard down a little bit, um, which brings about like, you know, when we talk about leadership, like that, that courage to take that step or that courage to do something in a, in an environment where the, the, the result, the end result is unknown and it's potentially scary. How, how did you go about coaching yourself through the fact that, Hey, there's a chance I might be leaving X amount of dollars behind and a bunch of, you know, misery maybe that was associated with it to do something different that I'm probably going to be happier doing, but I don't know from a, a financial stability, if it's going to be as safe and, and comfortable, like talk a little bit about how, like that, the internal coaching that that must've required to say, Hey, I'm, I'm done 2015. I'm done moving on to something else. Yeah. So you know, leadership for me is a service role. It's not a place of power. It's not, uh, it's not leadership over, it's responsibility for. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was how I um, saw my leadership role in the family was service to my, my wife and daughters. And so they were basically giving me some low customer satisfaction scores <laughs> and saying, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not real happy with how you're showing up for us. And that, that you know, that's when I knew that um, you know, I, I was already living the uncomfortable experience that money wasn't going to bring me the happiness that I had always believed it had when I didn't have it. Yeah. Um, but also the pursuit of it and the, the way I was emotionally managing that was damaging my ability to, to be a leader in my home and alienating, potentially alienating me from the people who matter most. So I knew that I needed to to make the change because the, you know, the home, the home leadership aspect was more important to me. Yeah. Great. So it was really just like 
not necessarily re recentering your re reorganizing your priorities, but it's just that I think that validation of, yep, this is the most important thing, and that the other stuff should be second, third, fourth place, whatever it might be. Sure, and I, I you know, I, I, I try not to, but I'll, I'll belabor the point. I cannot take all of the credit uh, for for this this pivot and this growth. I mean, it, it's it's I owe it to my family. I mean, they not only did they bring my attention to it in a way that I couldn't rationalize or resist, but then they also gave me the the space, the the not permission, but the license, the endorsement to to. They said, "Look, we'd rather not have the money, Doug. <laughs> we'd rather not." So that that let me off the hook. I if if that was the justification, then. I no longer could say, but what about the money? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that they get the credit, they get the leadership credit that they had, that they had, that they're due as well uh, in, in the whole conversation. No, that's great. That's great. And, um, you know, obviously it's let, it's led you on uh, on a uh, interesting journey since 2015. Let's go back a little bit. You're from Pinellas County. Talk a little bit about your, you know, your art major in college, right? That's true. I don't see any art in the background of the Zoom right here, but I'm sure there's some floating around somewhere over there. What? what <laughs> uh, <laughs> go the transition I, from high school to college. What, what was art the 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 thing at that point? Was that a no brainer decision? Um. Yeah, I. I, I, uh, I don't have a great answer. So I, art was what I was good at art, you know, so there I was in high school, I was a runt of a kid. So athletics weren't a distraction. Uh, no, no one needed my help. Um, and, but I was, I was great at art and I got a lot of validation for that. And so it just, it just became part of, you know, my, my identity is something, well, I, well, I guess I'm good at that. I'll go that direction. Um, I didn't have another or greater purpose. I, I didn't have a great plan going into college. It just, for me, I treated it like 13th grade. Yep, yep. Um, and so I got there and, uh, you know, I was, I was good at art. That didn't mean I should be an artist. And that's really <laughs> what the program taught me. Um, you know, they, they said this program is designed to weed out weak artists, and I said, "Mission accomplished." <laughs> no, I um, I, I loved art, but I didn't I didn't see the commercial value of it at the time. So this was ninety one. Uh, commercial art was was really in vogue. Um, people were asking for my digital portfolio now instead of my old portfolio that had actual paper pieces in it, yep. um, and that that aspect of it didn't engage me in the same way. And what I what I was really confronted with was my I wasn't uh, a, a commercially viable artist because I wasn't good at doing art. If if you called me up and said, Doug, here's what I need. I need you to draw me this on this paper in this medium by this date for this much. You know, I just ugh, that whole part of it. I didn't you know, so being able to draw something uh, doesn't mean you can be a great artist. But also, I was just impatient. I was ignorant. I was greedy um, and I wanted to make money and I thought, and I was working while I was in college and I was getting some, some validation in that work as well. Uh, so I thought I need to go into business. I need to, I need to learn trade of sales. Uh, if I, 
if I if I'm good at selling, at the science of selling, I'll I'll always have work yeah. and I'll get paid what I'm worth. And that was really about as deep as I got into the making sense system. And then I just went after it and, um, you know, had a lot of different jobs, had a lot of different business cards, um, won some awards and, you know, <laughs> some insults. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was it was a mixed bag, but it was it was a great learning journey for me. If you could. If, if you could talk to like 19, 20 year old Doug now, what would, would you, what would you say? Like what, 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 what type of advice would you share or, or wisdom learned along the way that you might throw back at your younger self? Wow. Uh, that money isn't an end to pursue. Uh, that is, it, it's a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, I think that number one, because I had so little vision or like purpose for what, what I was working toward. Like, if you ever asked me, what do you want to do? Um, I didn't know. Yeah. In other words, I never, I, I, I always envied the people who are like, I'm going to do this. And then they just go and do it. You know, I, I asked, I asked Joe, I'm like, how did, how did you do this? How did you do this? Because, you know, I'm coming in and there's the whole thing just blows me away. And he's like, uh, well, I just started it and did it. <laughs> he, he didn't let all of the, all of the neuroticism get in his way. He just goes and does not And, you know, for me, I, and I, I would say, to my younger self that I need to do some immediate and deep self-work on analysis paralysis, on imposter syndrome, on letting perfect be the enemy of good enough. Uh, you know, I, I just, I can see all of the failure modes crystal clear now, yeah. but back then, you know, I either couldn't see them or I had a clever rationalization for them. Um, or I thought I knew better or that the next, the next company was going to be different. So um, I was once one of those 18 year olds that knew <laughs> the, uh, the air quotes were thrown off for the listeners. You're not going to see the video, <laughs> but I, I legitimately, I went to college, you know, after graduating high school, knowing I was going to be a physical education teacher, most likely back at my high school alma mater. And I was going to try to, you know, coach some sports there and everything. And, um, that's not, I, that never happened. <laughs> I did do some teaching, but then had the opportunity to, to join Joe and help get Empower off the ground back in 2009. Um, and I've had the pleasure of speaking with some college students about like, from my perspective, is like I initially went in and it was going to be this very linear journey of graduate, take all the courses, get a teaching job and, and, and get into it. Um, Fortunate enough that, you know, the, the you know, Springfield College opened my eyes to a lot of different opportunities that I didn't know existed and, and, you know, was surrounded by the right people at the right time and there were the right opportunities I, I caught a glimpse of and led me to being able to do what I'm doing now. Um, for a college student who maybe was in similar situation to where you were when you were joining, maybe without that vision and without some of that self reflection or you know self-awareness piece like what would you say to somebody who's graduating high school 
this month or next month and is in that same spot of like, hey, I think like I'm pretty good at this. Maybe this is the way to go. Like what sort of advice or again, based on your experiences, would you share with somebody who's about to embark on that you know, two or four year journey at the higher higher education? I would I would probably point them to some resources so that they could uh, try to take a look at what their core values are. Like what intrinsically matters most to them? Um, there's not an absolute right answer to that. It's, yeah. it's you know, we're all, we're all a mixed bag, um, you know, at various places on spectrums between tensions. And, you know, to, to try and understand that um, and, you know, out of their core values, they can try and decide, you know, who, who they want to serve, who they want to be around, uh, what type of lifestyle they'd like to have. Um, because, you know, and this is just my soapbox, but I think left without that type of mentorship or perspective, they can get caught into the modern machinery of society and end up in what really feels like wage slavery. Um, you know, owing all the discretion of their time to the demands of the banks to whom they owe. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, I, you could have, you could have told me that when I was that age and I, I would not have gotten it. I wouldn't have, uh, (laughs) but, but I would, I would still, I would still implore them to consider it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, and, and it's it's something we talk about a lot in whether it's blog blog writing or, or pods or or even in-person programming is you know you can you can set these great goals for yourself if you're like a middle school student or a high school student and if they don't really have some sort of internal value to you or internal like importance or meaning to you probably not going to put the work in that you really should towards achievement and if you do get to the finish line of one of those goals it's probably not going to feel as good as it would if, if there was a really strong thought out like why or or internal importance or meaning to you um mm-hmm. so i think it's, it's a great it's a great point to you know it might might not be you know for a 17 18 year old like if someone said what you said i probably would ask them for, for that same bit of wisdom in like English, <laughs> you know, cause I, I would have been in the same boat, maybe not understanding exactly what the person was talking about, but I think simplifying it, like what, what provides you with some sort of satisfaction and, and pleasure beyond a paycheck every couple of weeks and, and, and going from there and being aware of opportunities that are going to fly by you every day. Yeah. I think, I think what you said is, is wise. You know, I, I, sometimes I do tend to overcomplicate things. Um, maybe I would tell them to go find some, find some place to volunteer. Yeah. Um, you know, get, find some aspect of their community that resonates with them and volunteer some service there. Um, number one, they will learn about the, the dopaminergic reward system of our brain that, (laughs) that, fills them with, with really positive neurotransmitters of, you know, oxytocin and, 
maybe even a little dopamine when they do something good for their fellow man without the expectation of something in return. Uh, number one, they, they get that satisfaction of service that I think we're really all hardwired for. Yep. Uh, that, that humanity is, is not an individual sport. Um, number one. Number two, uh, they're going to meet amazing people. And uh, I think that is really important. I think so much of luck is your preparation, but, but also relationships. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think I've, I've met some of the most amazing people um, when I'm, you know, getting out of my own, getting out of the you know, pursuit of my own enrichment uh, and into, you know, doing something else for someone yeah. else. So Love I think it. that would be, that, that might be a simpler piece of advice for them to follow than the, the early, <laughs> the early rant. <laughs> and the, the early rant came from years of experience and wisdom since uh, 1991, give or take. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of pain and uh, a lot of reading books and, you know, asking, asking other people, trying to understand, really trying to heal my own hurt for why I didn't better fit into a world of business. Yep. So. Um, what was it about sales that you enjoyed the most? Um, I, that I'm, I'm a buyer more than I'm a seller in life. Uh, and, you know, when I, so I grew up, so I'm 47. So when I was in my formative young years, I didn't have the internet. Um, look things up. I had, uh, you know, like so many kids of my generation, I had an old set of encyclopedias that were a snapshot of one moment in time in a set of books on a shelf. And that was the sum repository of knowledge in my household. Um, because my parents wouldn't answer a question after they spent the money on the encyclopedias. They just would say, go look it up. So I, I, I give that context to say that I didn't have I didn't have the world of information at my fingertips. So when I needed to know something, I needed a person to tell me. I needed to find an expert. I needed, so if I wanted to know about uh, car stereo equipment, which was a really big hobby of mine as a very young man, um, I, I could either buy magazines, which were expensive and try to read them, or for me at the time, or I could find someone that knew about that and talk to them about it. So I was really driven to try and understand how to, you know, get information through relationships. Yep. And I really started to really appreciate the value of a good salesperson who could do a proper needs analysis, who was really trying to solve a problem that I had with the right product that they had. Like when that, when that works well, oh, it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty because it is, it's, it's an act of service with an invitation at the end. Yep. You, so, you know, Mr. Customer, I, you know, you, you just told me that you wanted the following things and you needed the following things. So let me understand those needs. Let's, let's talk to him about, let's talk about them in this way. And then I can say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I have the right solution for you. When I was in lending and I was showing people those loans, I was happy because I was helping them. And I knew that I was giving them a better outcome than they would get somewhere else. So I, I think good salespeople are amazing and I yep. try to laud them with praise and generous gratuities when I find them um, because they're fewer and farther between. So I think, I think the serving people 
and uh, making things work like I thought they should, making life work the way I thought it should. That was the part that I loved. Yeah. And it's funny, our one of our more recent guests is another uh, connection from Joe, uh, Doug Wechter. And um, he he does some broadcasting for the Tampa Bay Rays, but he also works in real estate. And he, he said something similar about, like, it's not, you know, in in his experience in real, it's not about the quick buck. It's about, you know, doing something that's going to build a relationship. And when this person, you know, maybe has a, a need that fits your services, they're going to want to call you because it wasn't just a, Hey, do you want to buy this now? No. Okay, cool. Hang up the phone. It, there was a, a real a, a authentic give and take and an authentic relationship built. Um, and it didn't lead to an immediate sale, you know, in the, in the moment or within the week of the meeting, but it led to a, a, a relationship that grew and a comfortability to say, Hey, when I need this, I know that's the guy I'm going to call. And it, 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 when it's done that way, I, 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 would, I think it's almost a win-win, right? You know, the, it, abs- the, it absolutely is. The and, customer and it, gets it, the it, services and the, 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 the provider, you know, earns some income and everybody walks away happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes the, the world in that moment is a little bit better. That's right. So, was there a particular, because you said you're in a little, you know, a few different industries in the sales position. Was there a particular product or service that, looking back on it now, that you enjoyed enjoyed selling the most? Hmm. Yeah, great question. Great question. What did I enjoy selling the most? Um, I, you know, I don't know that I ever had a great connection with a product. And, and I'm criticizing myself. I see that, I, and it's because I went to jobs where I was recruited um, by people inside who were telling me, "If you come work here, you'll make money." In other words, I wasn't interested in commodities. I wasn't yeah. interested in life insurance. I wasn't interested in real estate. But I, but I went through the headache and investment of getting all those licenses and going into those industries and working within them. Um, with no real attachment to the product. It was really the working with the people part that I loved. It yeah. was, it was connect, it was connecting needs with resources in a way that that people were completely satisfied with because that's what I wanted. And, and I don't know if it was, you know, some college philosophy course echoing in my head or what, but I was just like, if, Okay, so whatever I'm going to do today, if everyone did it, would the world be a better place or a worse place? And whenever I got terrible service or got sold a product that was a bill of goods or, you know, had any other totally routine dysfunctions of modern business, I was just like this, if, you know, the world would be a worse place if, if we all behave like this. You know, it, it's, it's really, you know, I'm unhappy. I, you know, it's um, so I, I think I was just trying to. Uh, just be someone, just be someone that I respected, yeah. you know, and, and, and do right by people. You know, I, I thought that mattered. And it's, you know, it's funny. I just was with a group of middle school students yesterday. And that was one of the kind of the wrap ups was it, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room or the more athletic, the most athletic you know, kid in the class. It's to, to do something, a small gesture that's nice for somebody else, like once a day. <laughs> it's a it's a 
you know, it's a talentless skill. It's, but it's a, it's a give a crap skill. Like, do you care enough to try to have a positive impact once today on somebody else? And it's a man when you do, like you touched on earlier, the self fulfillment that that brings it's, it's addicting. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. I think yeah, that's our bodies telling us we're doing, we're doing something that helps us survive. Yep. I mean, yep. Because really that's what our body's job is, is to help us survive. So, you know, being isolated, being disconnected from people, um, you know, those things are in the natural world, they're a threat to survival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and one of the things that I talked to the, I talked to our kids about is, you know, abundance creates abstraction. And all that means is a ton of stuff then the value goes down. If I, yep. you know, I tell them if you had a hundred thousand pennies and I ask for a penny, would you give me a penny? Yes. If you had two pennies and I ask you for a penny, is it, which penny is worth, more? you know? So it's a really simple concept. Uh, but it's, it's like that. I think it's like that with people too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, living in, living in Pinellas County, the most densely populated real estate in the state, you know, we've got a million people around us. Um, I don't think we're wired for that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think, um, because that the abundance of people creates an abstraction to the value of another person. Yeah. And so you can, you can rationalize misleading them and, you know, tell, it's just all kinds of things that happen every day because, you know, you, or any other, you know, modern justifications for bad service. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard not to get preachy on that stuff, but it, it's, that's where I come from is. No, it, it's, it's, it's great to hear. And I think it's just an eye opener for, you know, people who are aspiring to, to lead themselves and lead others effectively, the importance of you know, taking care of the people around you and not trying to step on the people around you for your own self gain. Um, you know, so I, I don't necessarily see it as preachy. I think it's a, a great, great, <laughs> great bit of advice, great bit of wisdom for people that are, you know, maybe lack, maybe, maybe in a similar spot that you found yourself in, in you know, prior to 2015 of like, Hey, I'm doing this. The bank account is looking okay, but I, I don't, I don't feel right. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, sure. or worse than that, you know, um, what's been going on since 2015? Well, uh, since then I've, I've done, done a lot of consulting, uh, had the, the privilege to work with startups up to, you know, larger companies, uh, do some speaking. And, um, you know, I, I had, uh, I just signed a new strategic partnership in 2019. It was really excited to expand uh, my services in 2020. And then um, we, my family and I were out camping. In fact, uh, when, when the, when the lockdown started and I was thinking, I don't think any of my plans are going to work. Uh, you know, I was, I, I was planning on going in and work, going into offices and working with people's teams in their offices. And, uh, you know, so those things, so 20, you know, 2020 started to, to change those plans of, of how I was going to be able to facilitate this, this work that I was getting so much satisfaction from. Um, a lot of my contemporaries uh, who were savvier than me uh, were able to pivot and facilitate virtually through platforms like Zoom or Teams or any, any other ones. There, 
it's a commodity, but it, I, that was, that was not, that was not the way I wanted to do it. Similar to when I was back in art and, you know, they said, now you need to do art on the computer. And I was like, ah, oh, that's not how I do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, at that point I was, I, I had, there was one client that um, was already at, already at a distance. That was the nature of our relationship where my other clients were local. Um, and maintained that, that relationship and that's continued to grow and expand um, since then. You're on this epic road trip with the, the sick RV set up were growing up as a kid like were you an adventurous child like were you one that got into you know a lot of the outdoor adventure type stuff um and i guess what was the inspiration for this extended uh family road trip <laughs> yeah i don't i don't even think we've we've shared the full scope of it no I, I will to answer your question no i was not an adventurous child i was uh a fearful asthmatic uh <laughs> child no i um i think that the extent of of my of my camping experience was really in the boy scouts yeah. um but uh no i this was really something that was created inside of our family and i again as in so many other areas of my life i owe a great deal of it to my brilliant wife um we we had we did a little tent camping and liked that and then uh, someone that you know came out tent camping with us brought a pop-up tent trailer, and we were like, "Ooh, you know, we <laughs> thought we were we thought we were cool because uh, you know we had all these gizmos for a tent, but that that looks fancy." So then we we got a pop-up camper, and uh, we did that. We went out about once a month with that around Florida, and then ventured into Georgia, and then had a trip planned all the way up to Northern Indiana. Um, and so we were really falling in love with, you know, the experiences that we were accumulating as a family um, and the things we were able to see. I mean, we, we took that pop-up camper to look for fossils. We, look, we were looking for megalodon teeth in the center of the state in Wachula. That's, it was so counterintuitive and it was, there was a geography lesson in it for us. There was, uh, you know, a historical lesson ab about, you know, how at one point there were sharks here. So at yeah. one point, <laughs> I know, I know you're in an oak grove with cattle right now, but this used to all be underwater. Um, you know, so there was just, there was just all this really cool learning. We went up to Georgia and we got to pan for gold. I mean, we were just having so many of these neat experiences. And uh, at the time, you know, we were living in what we thought was our dream home. And, um, we thought that was the way to do life. And really what we were realizing, especially through the, the lockdowns of 2020, that, that um, you know, the house served us well. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we were all able to live and work and do school and, you know, it was, it was great. But when we really felt the most connected with each other and the most alive was when we were out, we were out doing things. Yeah. And uh, so it was probably August of 2020 we, cause it would have been the start of lobster season. We were down camping in our pop-up camper in Key Largo. And, uh, we were coming in from on a tr uh, boat. We were coming in on a boat from being out skin diving. And I was just thinking, this is just way better. <laughs> this is just way better. Um, 
but there were there were a ton of obstacles. I mean, before before COVID, you couldn't you couldn't have convinced me under any terms that this was possible. What yep. we're doing. Um, at this point, I was active in local city government. I had multiple. I had seats on multiple philanthropic boards that I got a tremendous amount of value back from. Yeah. Uh, just personally, all the things that I wasn't getting from all the struggles in commerce. I was just. I had. I was. I was so sewn into the community. I just couldn't imagine ever being gone for more than like a long trip on a vacation. Um, but COVID changed all that. It disconnected all of those things. It turned all those things virtual. And, um, you know, my wife, who is, is brilliant in a lot of ways that I'm not, had already engineered a successful career that she was able to, you know, facilitate remotely running software yeah. teams. So she was, she was not tied to the area. Um, I was no longer able to go in and, and see clients. My clients didn't, weren't even in their offices. Uh, our children's school was virtual. We were already engaged with the Florida virtual school system, which I have nothing but great things to say about. Um, and we just, we, COVID started, you know, we, like I said early, we were looking for the opportunities yep. in the struggle. And so that was kind of the, the Easter egg hunt there was, okay, what, what does this make possible? And we were like, it makes going camping more possible because that's really where we feel most alive. And you know, we're, still, we're still, you know, personally distancing while we're out there, you know, it's safe. Um, so there was, there was a trip up to Northern Indiana. Now the pop-up camper, the roof started to leak. So we ended up taking a different RV, a RV, uh, and, it was, it wasn't, you know, like a, <laughs> it didn't like pop up into a, a big tent. It was, it was hard RV and uh, had a refrigerator in it and all these things. And we did that trip and we were like, wow, this, is, this is even nicer than that pop up. I mean, <laughs> not, not relying on ice. I mean, this changes everything. So we start, then that the world, the world just kept opening up a little bit more and more to us until, you know, this, this, all the doors that COVID closed, there was like this giant open window. And we just said, what would it be like if we just were able to just go, just go. We work during the week, you know, and sightsee on the weekends. Yeah. And uh, so we started looking and it was, it was a major, major <laughs> undertaking. It uh, changed. <laughs> um, in my wife's career and sold our dream house and bought, uh, you know, sold our, sold our pop-up camper, bought a brand new tow vehicle and a rig that could safely house and work us uh, all on the road and set out. And I think we left February 6th and uh, have been on the road since. What's the... Um... What's the end game? What's the what's the plan of uh, I don't want to call it re-entry. Is there a plan of like heading back to Florida and kind of, or is it or is it to continue this? Uh, I think it's a magnificent family adventure. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely. Thank you. It definitely is a magnificent adventure. I think um, we felt like we we knew that we didn't know what we didn't know. And that we, that it was going to, we were going to learn a lot. 
I mean, we're living in less than 400 square feet. We went from over 2,600 yeah. <laughs> into this. Um, and yeah, so it, we, we knew there was going to be a lot, there were going to be a lot of challenges and a lot of opportunities. And we didn't really know when we'd be back. We knew that we were really engaged with the Florida virtual school system. It was working very, very well for our children. Um, and so that we knew that option would remain open to us so there wasn't an educational reason necessarily that we had to be back um as i shared my wife's work had no requirement that, that we return and um you know the decisions we had made didn't require me to generate the same type of income in other words my wife was was able to be the one that was providing that that stable income in a role that i was in formerly and i was able to uh, show up in different ways inside the family as, as a dad and um, you know so that that was great and we, we didn't know when we really wanted any of that to end um, now having the hindsight of being out on the road since February we and coming you know through all the states that we have I think we definitely still feel a connection uh, to Florida and would like to you know to to be there I think you know, of our options, you've know, been through the Southwest, we've been through Southern California, of the, of the other options for places to winter, uh, to hide from the winter in, in a rig like this, uh, we think, you know, Florida is, is by far and away the, the best bet for us. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're really, really pleased that we don't miss our old house. We don't miss um, the things we parted with and we've really been comfortable with the minimalism of this lifestyle, but we do miss the relationships. Yep. And so feeling like, well, we'll be in Florida for the winters for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we're also, you know, really committed to our, our children's education and the opportunities that we can create inside of that world for them and what that will mean for them long-term. And so, um, you know, looking at different programs that are available to them as they, you know, go into these formative high school years, um, that would probably be the thing that would bring us off the road. But I, I can, I can say with this, this little bit of time under my belt that I, I believe that my wife and I will maintain, um, this type of nomadic lifestyle, at least, at least a part of the year, yeah. uh, for, for, for a very long time to come. Love it. Love it. Was it hard, like your two daughters in particular, was it hard for to convince them like, hey, we're going to leave the house and possibly maybe some of the friends you've made, you know, in your early childhood and we're going to do this big trip and, you know, we're not sure when we're heading back that area. Did it, and, and then also like, obviously in travel, sometimes technology will be there and sometimes it won't. And I know, again, many of the elementary middle school students like if they're away from their phone for 67 seconds you see their thumbs start to shake and was, was that <laughs> was that did that take some convincing or were they because you've done well, some now, camping with them you know prior to this you know yes yeah, so that was that was that was a great benefit that i that i had that pool of experience to draw yeah. from but you we have just arrived at one of my favorite areas of leadership that I think is often uh, undervalued. And that is creating a context and, you know, understanding that perception is reality. Mm -hmm. 
And so the challenge from the very beginning was to get the, get, my wife and I were pretty easy to sell on it, but the, <laughs> the, the kids getting, getting them enrolled in it um, in a way that they felt some agency mm-hmm. um, so that they were, they understood why we were doing the things we were doing. And this is critical in any organization of any size, whether it's a family or a Fortune 500 company. Um, if people understand and agree with the, the values for, for the decisions that you're making, they understand what role they play in that, and they, they agree with the mission, I think you find deep reservoirs of motivation and engagement uh, and that, that was the, the challenge for us. So yes, uh, it was, it was a big lift to yep. get them excited about, uh, selling everything and just having a few things that you really like. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly leaving, leaving a community that, uh, so, you know, it, it's fascinating. It's been the work of that has been different for all of us and it just reflects how unique we all are and uh so you know my youngest daughter for example who's 11 um is very social and was i think that part of it generated that the 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 emotions of scarcity to 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 well up in her like and make her want to hold on to the old thing instead of creating the new thing um but in, after going through this, I've seen such growth in, uh, in, in her ability to make new relationships, um, her personal confidence and her ability to communicate with vendors, you know, when we're out. Um, so this, this has been uh, an invaluable life, life classroom for them. Uh, things that, you know, the, the, the conventional county school system just isn't equipped or designed to provide. Yeah. Uh, so I think making sure, and we've had to, we've had to fight some things along the way. I mean, yeah. you, you know, it, it's, it's easy for them to say, well, this is your big thing and we're just coming along with you. But that was, you know, that was easy to work with because number one, we had some conversational anchors from earlier things that we talked to. We were able to tie back to number one, but number two, it was, it was really easy to kind of, move them from that, again, that scarcity mindset of what I don't have, what I used to have to what I could have if I would just engage with what possibilities I have in front of me now with this, this new power that I have. And so it was, that was as simple as telling them, look, here is our itinerary. Here are the cities that we're going to be in. Here's the one that we're going to be in next. You have the whole internet at your disposal. <laughs> you don't have to go look at an encyclopedia. Like just, you know, is there, is there anything you want to see in San Antonio? Figure it out. Like, yeah. And then we'll plan those days for you. And that actually generated an entire stop uh, in Las Vegas of all places. Um, <laughs> yeah. People were like, you're, you're taking your kids to Las Vegas. That's what do they want to go decision. like, play, do they want to go play craps or something or what? No. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> huge, huge card counters, both of them. Um, <laughs> No, it was actually uh, an interactive art exhibit put on by an uh, organization called Meow Wolf uh, that there that's uh, inside of something called Area 15. It's, it's called Omega Mart. And I couldn't possibly begin 
what it is, except this really just bizarre active art experience. Um, but you know, they were excited to see and do that. Yep. And there's only two of these uh, setups in the country. Uh, they're not identical, but the other one was in Santa Fe, and that was that was not kind of near our route, but Las Vegas was. So we said, okay, uh, if this is what if this is something that's important to you, then we're going to take this house and us, our whole family, and we're going to buy those tickets, and we're going to going to do that thing that you're creating. And then that turned into, you know, zip lining on Fremont Street. And um, nice. just the free the freedom to go and do these things where in our old paradigm, it would have taken vastly more resources, vastly more planning to to create something like that, an experience for them to have and something for them to journal about that, um, you know, that way into the the thinking, the context again, of what's possible for them in this adventure, if they would use their agency and take some ownership and, you know, uh, kind of design it themselves. So, it, you know, so far it's, it's been going well. I think they would, I think both of them like clinging to the belief that they will return to that life someday, but neither yeah. of them is ask, is asking to go back this week. Nice. Nice. I would consider that a positive customer uh, report of you, Doug. <laughs> I'm good. My, my family satisfaction scores are way up. Another one. <laughs> Check off yeah. another box. <laughs> what, yeah. as, as a parent, as a father, like, what do you hope when your daughters are in their, you know, 20s, 30s, and they're able to reflect on, you know, February to whenever the the triumphant return home home quote unquote is like what do you hope they're able to take from th this this family adventure you're on um wow man that's a that's a great question it's huge um what do i want them to take from it um in in some part i'd like them to to take their relationship to to people differently, their relationship to the land differently, their relationship to resources differently, their relationship to material possessions differently, um, their relationship to pursuits. I mean, you know, my wife and I, when we, when we met, you know, our, our big dream was having a car with air conditioning. Man, yeah. someday that is going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> You know, and they don't, they haven't experienced that. And, uh, you know, they, they lived their lives inside of a very prosperous season of a life that my wife and I have built. And we wanted to, number one, show them that, that um, they're the, the broad spectrum of life, the, just to expose them to more. And to open up, open up their minds a bit um, so that they didn't take things for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in this life full time in an RV, you, you, get, you get confronted with your consumption in a way that you don't in the old life we were in. Whether it's the amount of water you use, the amount of waste you produce, the amount of electricity you use, the amount of 
gasoline the generator uses, the amount of propane the furnace uses, the amount of diesel the tow vehicle uses, the amount of groceries that have to come in and out of this RV. Yeah. Um, those things become more present, I think. Yeah. And I, I think for the better, um, I, you know, I thought I was fairly sensitive to those things, but so much more uh, now when, you know, we like, we, we like being able to go places sometimes that are harder to get to that you don't have the facilities connected to the RV. So, you know, you're reliant upon the fresh water that you bring in and your ability to collect the waste product while you're there yeah. and your ability to stay in the, this amazing place in Sedona with these incredible views is, is, is determined by how little, how, how, how well you consume water, um, you know, how short you can shower, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, if, if you don't need to run the generator, you know, then, then you can stay longer. So yeah. it's, uh, I, I think, you know, what I want them to take, there's so, that's such a big question. There's so many things I want for them. I, I want them to have a different relationship to their life plan than I did. You know, I, the, my point in bringing up my wife, where when my wife and I started to where we got to was that was that felt like the only plan. Mm -hmm. It felt like what I was supposed to do in life. Like I was supposed to, you know, get a starter home, then get a little bigger home, then try to work into my dream home. I was supposed to, you know, climb corporate ladders. I was I was supposed to, you know. At one point in my career, I was driving a paid-off Hyundai Sonata. I love the car, um, but people—the feedback that I got was, "Look, you—you you can't talk to someone about a seven million-dollar piece of land if you pull up in a seven hundred-dollar car." And I was just like, "Man, I didn't see it that way. You know, I had yeah. that wrong." And so, and so, next thing you know, I'm—I'm I'm driving a more expensive vehicle, but because I want people to see me as something you know it, it just all those things it didn't they didn't bring me the the happiness that the that madison avenue would lead me to believe that they would uh or that a lot of the, the programming that i kind of the operating system that i that i had in me as a kid led me to believe we're going to work so yeah. i really want my kids really want my kids to uh think about how they tread on the land differently, how they spend their money differently, how they spend their time differently, whether they want to exper accumulate experiences or they want to accumulate possessions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. I hope the kids get yeah, meeting, no, that's, meeting, that's great. meeting so many different people with different perspectives and different backgrounds and really, you know, opening up the world for them a little bit. Um, so they don't think that the world is, you know, this easy, this easy season of their parents' life in this, uh, you know, nice, this nice home in Pinellas County. Yeah. So. Which, you know, I don't know about you, but I think there's a lot of people that could use a little bit more of an opened up experience with different people from different people. But we, we could save that for another conversation, another episode, but, yeah. you know, for somebody, you know, for your girls, be, you know, so young, being able to interact with, such a variety of different people, I think, 
will set them up to be more open to different viewpoints and more open to, Hey, it's cool. You think this, I think this, but we're still, we're still all right. <laughs> we, we can, can still, still function together. Yeah. We can still play yeah. or, you know, work together or whatever it might be. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, this, there's been a number of things that have really opened up, uh, you know, those, those possibilities for us. I mean, you know, from COVID, uh, virtual school dramatically, you know, using Florida virtual school has dramatically improved their, their IT literacy mm-hmm. dramatically. Um, you know, we got them, uh, these children's debit cards called, uh, they're called green light, I believe. And, um, brilliant. The, the, the parents basically manage their money, just can send money over and then have full transparency. Anyway, we can give them these cards and then give them a little latitude to kind of individuate a little bit and feel like they have their own money. So if, yeah. they, if we're in a town and they want to find something in the town, then they can go buy that thing. I'll tell them, look, I'll buy you everything you need and the cards for what you want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of things um, that this lifestyle has, has afforded that we didn't even anticipate. I mean, it's, I tell people it's, it's like learning lessons out of a fire hose for all of us. (laughs) Great. Get as much water as you can. (laughs) 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 Hey, we're on the, the lead with empower podcast here. Uh, We have Doug Whittington, who's family man, bunch of years in the the corporate sales world, but decided in 2015 to disconnect from that and seek fulfillment elsewhere. And the cup sounds like it is constantly filling up. So keep up the great work. Um, All does some consulting um, to help people, you know, really build those connections and, and solidify the communication in the workforce and I think, like you said early on, build up that natural kind of tendency to want to collaborate and want to work with people. So this is Doug. He's leading with Empower. He's crushing it. We're on the home stretch right here. We have a couple rapid fire, rapid response questions. And I'm going to start. Uh, we're going to go right to the trip Hi. here. Your favorite spot so far, like your favorite spot on your family adventure for you personally has been what so far? Oh man, this is tough. One. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is probably the most frequent question. And so you, you think with all the practice, I'd have an answer ready and I don't, um, you know, it, uh, I think personally, my favorite thing has been visiting the, uh, anthropological sites and getting perspective on, uh, other civilizations and, you know, seeing, you know, pictographs that are 700 years old, some even, you know, uh, believed to be far older than that, um, right here yeah. in, you know, in our country, uh, just all you have to do is just take a beautiful hike to them. And, um, <laughs> you know, so I think for me, I think, I think, you know, seeing those, those cultural, seeing the cultural history has been, has been remarkable, but I've, I've also witnessed just some spectacular natural beauty. We just came from Yosemite and, uh, I've been putting, putting some photos up on, you know, the cover photo on Facebook, for to share with people that as far as just a sheer concentration of amazing things, I think, I think I give it, I would give it to Yosemite, but that, that not to take anything away from just so many other amazing places that, um, that we've been able to visit. Love it. Um, I, I, I highly recommend, 
full-time RVing. <laughs> I know it's it's still it's still not in vogue, but it's it's certainly growing. If if RV sales and truck sales are any indication, um, yeah. So it, you know, I think now I'm 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 ready to become more of an evangelist, uh, even for the lifestyle, to kind of help people who were were back we're back with those feelings that I was stuck with that I just don't, I just don't connect with this life. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just, I'm just here to help. Love it. Um, the favorite food item you've had that you couldn't really get in Florida. That you oh, couldn't... oh, so what have I gotten? Um, I have to, I have to just de- declare my biases here. I am, I'm so basic. When it comes to food, now if you if, if you should have you should have interviewed my wife uh, because she <laughs> loves food uh, in a remarkable way. My so man, what we do try to try local fare. Uh, yeah. I think New Orleans um, is in the lead right now on on food. Okay, very fair answer. Very fair answer. We'll have to get your wife on one of these days too to get her side of the story. <laughs> um, yes. When you're driving, like everybody has a different preference as far as are they music listeners? Are they listening to news radio, podcasts, silence? Like you're on a great stretch of road. What are you, what are you putting on for tunes? What are you listening to? Um, it's, it's going to be uh, probably audible, uh, nonfiction, audible. Anything, uh, or... anything that's on there right now? Looks like the book that I'm I just started is uh, "Never Split the Difference" by Chris Voss. There you it's go. A book about negotiations. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, everything I listen to is, is is nonfiction. If I'm listening to music, I probably want to lo- listen to something that eases eases my nerves a bit. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> you know, drive driving driving, you know, driving an SUV pulling a small pop up camper. It's uh, that's a layup. <laughs> uh, you can. 12 hours, no problem. Uh, towing, I, the first scale we got on, we were 29,850 pounds truck and trailer. Goodness. So, you know, driving down the road at 15 tons, it's just, a feel, <laughs> it feels like a massive responsibility. Frankly, it feels like I shouldn't even be allowed to do it without having to check in with someone or pass a test. But uh, generally, I'm trying to relax. I mean, okay. I, I, I I just said when I left California, I haven't left California yet, but we're on our way out. Uh, I never understood train horns on cars. I never got it. Uh, when I was driving, when I was driving recently, um, I get it. I definitely get it now. I, I'm, I was, I was ready to install one last week. Um, so it's, 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 it's stressful driving, uh, especially because I'm towing our house. So if I, I crash our house then you know that's that has a, di- a different gravity to it than a normal, yes normal but thing, it, so. it's it's much more uh, uh serious than crashing the 700 hundred dollar car that you shouldn't have been driving yeah. to sale that you shouldn't have been driving to yeah. sales meetings according, hey, according that, to i was some i was trying to be the i was trying to be the millionaire next door <laughs> that thing was paid off man. Come on. <laughs> um leadership leadership yeah. means dot 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 Service. Love it. Service. Absolutely. It leadership is a, to borrow a to borrow a word is is about empowering other people to accomplish 
what you all agree uh, you're you're up to. Yeah. You know, whatever you're going to create together um, is is making that happen. Um, it's a service job. Love it. Thanks for sneaking in the empower in there too. Well done. You can come. You can come back anytime, Doug. Last. Oh yeah. <laughs> last one. Adventure is important because. Uh, I. Wow. Wow. There's a lot. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. Um, I haven't. I haven't even put you it, on the the standard one sentence or less answer right here. Too. I'm trying to. I'm trying to throw you yeah. some cookies here, Doug. Okay. All right. Uh, it's, it's, I think, I think it's, I, I think it's good for, for, for all of our, our cultural awarenesses to, to get outside of our bubble yeah. and um, learn about uh, ourselves and others. And uh, you know, like, like I said, we're all in this together. You know, it's, uh, it, I know that, you know, America is a place for, you know, that, really prides itself on rugged individualism, but I don't, I don't think that's what we're wired for. So I, I think adventure um, certainly expands our minds and expands our thinking. And uh, I think, I think the term is called experience stretching. Um, And I think think that has, has, has been a great teacher for all of us as far as showing us what we're capable of uh, stretching you know, our beliefs, whether they're self-limiting or otherwise, um, it's, it's, it's really, it just, it opens things up. There you go. Love it. Doug, you thinking nailed it, man. I, I, I appreciate you coming on here and, um, you know, wish you and your family nothing but safe travels in that massive rig that you have to drive around. And I hope you find some good smooth jazz or elevator music to calm the nerves. <laughs> As he, <laughs> I'll try to send uh, some recommendations over to you, but, uh, you know, appreciate you coming on great episode, great conversation. And it's been a pleasure learning about, you know, your journey and your perspective on leadership and life really. And, um, you know, can't thank you enough for joining the lead with empower podcast. Hey, it's my, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm such a big fan of you guys. And, uh, so, you know, just being, just being invited to be in conversation with you was, was a real thrill for me. And, and I'll keep uh, I'll keep taking taking pictures of amazing places with my empower koozie in the frame and send yeah, it back baby. <laughs> well, thank you again, Doug, ladies and gents. That was Doug Whittington. He leads with empower. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to take from this episode, a lot to unpack here. But I'm going to go back to something that was said early on in the recording here. Humanity is not an individual sport. If you want to find some real, authentic, true fulfillment, Start finding time to do something that brings the best out of somebody else that helps somebody else out. And you're going to contribute to your own growth and your own satisfaction, but more importantly, that of somebody else. Thanks again for checking it out. Hope you have a great rest of the week and remember, be courageous, be kind, and don't shy away from getting after it. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.